FC, welcome, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Good to meet you again. Good to meet you in person. Yeah. Um, so, how, do, how I Rob Banks, this is a phenomenal read. I just finished. Um, I can't wait till, till you guys take a look at it. Um, in your book, yes. um, you heavily focus on and discuss the aspect of reconnaissance. Yes. Um, and the importance there of knowing your subject, surveying the scene mm-hmm. of uh, before you break into an area, highly yeah. guarded area in yeah. some instances. Um, you know, how often is your plan of attack, how often does it go as planned? Or is there always some level of improv involved? I, I would say probably 90% of the time it goes right because... I, I overplan. I overplan everything. So part of that recon process means I know everything that there is to know, right? And I know what's going to happen. I know the behaviors of the guards. I know some of the codes for doors, for example. Um, so most of the time, I don't need 90% of the plan. It's literally, I go up to a door and I walk in and then I'm in. Mm. Right, and I didn't have to worry about the the twenty things that I thought might happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, most of the time the plan goes according to plan, which is, you know, sheer luck I think more than uh, skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, reconnaissance. I mean, it's it's um it's super important, and I think yeah. in today's world, a lot of, like a lot of that recon you can do behind Remo- the screen, yeah, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I've I've done. I always do like a digital recon piece first, and then. I try and show up on site if I can early, and then just confirm that everything that I've seen digitally matches up. Mm. And that that's not always the case, right? Like, I mean, I've turned up before and a door is suddenly no longer there, right? So it's uh, it can change quite dramatically. Yeah. You, know? you come up with this plan when you're doing all the digital recon, and one of the things that I'm doing this week is I'm uh, judging the vision contest at the Social Engineering Village at DEFCON. And part of that process is they have to do an OSINT report. Now, OSINT is open source intelligence, and that's basically the digital recon piece of whatever building they're trying to get into. And I would say 90% of the teams only used Google and Google Maps. Right? That is not going to show you everything. There are hundreds of resources out there. You can get, literally, you can just buy live satellite feeds, right, of your location. There's so many more things to it than people realize it's just Google Maps, yeah. right, and Street View. There's a bit more to it than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And in the book, I mean, you you spent nights, overnights, at physical, <laughs> physical locations uh, yeah. for an engagement that takes you you know, 15, 20 minutes to get in. Yeah, so, and, 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 that's the, and that's the point. It's like the more recon you do, the less time you have to work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because if you turn up and you've done no recon, well, you, you've got to sit in that ditch for a bit longer, right? It's 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 yeah. just literally more, more recon. Yeah, literally sitting in ditches. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the book is, like I said, it's phenomenal. You have um, a lot of stories there, um, really that align with, you know, Mission Impossible level stories. I, I've, um, I've been down the odd elevator shaft and climbed through the odd uh, ventilation tube. Yeah, yeah, it's been there. So let me ask you then: Is there is there any one that you feel may be worthy of an adaptation of in a feature film? Oh, I 
I was approached by someone today actually who said they wanted to like see if they could option the book into a movie because uh, I think there's so many little scenes that would work really well. Um, I think kidnapping people, that's always fun. But we've seen that in movies. Yeah. Stealing gold bars, we've seen that. Uh, stealing a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that, that would be a funny moment, I think, in a movie. Um, just because of the, the stupidity of it. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think there are quite a few uh, yeah. little stories in there that I think would make, uh, yeah. make a good moment in a movie. For sure, for sure. So if, if there was a movie made... Who, who, who would play, play you? Who would play me? I don't know. I'll ask the audience. Who do you think would play me best? Wow. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. <laughs> I'm not that drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you... Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Wow. He... Bruce wow. Willis is not going to play him. Yeah. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson would be cool. Yeah, I'd go with that. <laughs> That'd be cool. All right, so in, in the book, yeah. um, you reference some more tactical techniques uh, that you have learned over your career, such as lock picking. Yes. Um, and I really appreciate the fact that you sort of interweave some of the tactical techniques with stories. Uh, you also describe some other tactical techniques that you've used throughout your engagements. I'm just curious to know what is your go-to? Um, you know, what tool has provided you the greatest amount of, su- of success? Uh, I would say my social anxiety and willingness to avoid people. That is the best thing for social engineering. Okay. Because the more you avoid people, then you're just dealing with hardware. And I can, I can pick a lock much easier than I can have a conversation with someone. Um, so yeah, just avoiding people is my best skill. <laughs> Were you ever able to get into a secure area of a building with no physical tool at all? Just just oh, using oh, social yeah. engineering? A- absolutely, you don't even need that. Like the number of times I've literally walked into a bank and just been like, this is a bit too easy. This is a bit silly because I should be stopped at some point, but you don't talk to anyone, you just walk in. And there's a couple of stories in the book where I like literally walk into a room, pick up a computer and then walk out without saying a word. Like I say, it's that willingness to avoid humans is the best skill. And on the other side, I mean, do you find that humans are more uh, susceptible just to avoid conflict? Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like if, you know, it, it depends where you are in the world, like different countries and have different social aspects to them, different cultures, and you can play on that, right? So in the UK, where I'm from originally, um, nobody wants conflict, right? So if you are slightly um, aggressive to them, they will avoid you like anything, right? Come over to the States, for example, you guys are much more confrontational, right? Except if I then confrontate you back, if that's a word, um, I, that's an English word you guys bring me counter con- confrontate yeah, yeah. Counter so conf- if someone confronts me and then I confront them back it's like why are you asking me this then they back down again and you know so if you go into like the Nordics you can you can overcome some of their cultural uh, proclivities and if you go into like the Asian like APAC area like again they have this uncanny ability to just take 
commands because that's how their you know sort of their companies are structured. So you have to do kind of different things in order to get past different types of culture. One aspect that you talk about in the book is your is the letter of authority. You yes. have a, a dedicated chapter to that. Yes, because it, 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 it is vital. It is vital. Um, and we all know that as the get out of jail free card. Yes, exactly. So, right? so whenever we're doing these engagements, it's always a client comes to us and says, can you break into our stuff and then tell us how you do it, right? So nobody in that building should know about that test. We try and keep it to the bare minimum. It was probably five or six people that have signed it off, right? And that'll be at the C-suite if they're not involved, mm -hmm. right? If they are involved, then they may not even know about it themselves. So I have to have a letter that proves that I am there doing good, right? And so that's called the letter of authority. And it lists basically like who I am, what I'm doing, and here are the people to contact through your internal phone systems, and then you can verify that I am who I am. But I put a spin on that where I have a fake one, right? And the fake one is exactly the same, except all the numbers are my mates. Right, so they got the same names. So if they get a phone call and says, "Is that John from this bank?" They're always like, "Yeah, it is." Like, let FC go. It's cool um, because it, that's testing yet another level, right? And I've had this a couple of times where um, it, I haven't had to use that false letter, mm. um, but I've taught that lesson to other people, and they've used it. And you know, I've got the phone call. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's cool. Like Sam's cool. Like let him in, and they've just let them in, right? and they just carry on. Wow. And the letter says, like, you know, don't tell anyone about this. Like, you know, pretend that you've never seen this person. So, mm. I've, I've always have a letter of authority. Always have a backup one because, oh man, the number of times I've left a jacket with my letter in, yes. in like the fifth floor, and I'm like on the basement. It's like, oh. I've only got one left. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, always so you, have a backup and then always have a fake one that you present first. But never present the fake one to actual law enforcement because that will just go wrong. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about three copies, right? You yeah. talk about two real, one fake. Um, was there ever an engagement that you walked into that was so dangerous that you said, I'm done, this is it? Ah. Um, I, I've had some interesting ones. Um, there was one where I was confronted by two two guards that had uh, guns in a in a foreign country somewhere in Europe. Um, I won't name it. Um, and I didn't speak that language. Right? I had no idea. And these two guards didn't speak English. Mm. And the only way that I could get past them, I I eventually managed to talk my way out of it. Right, and sort of get through past them. But there was a bit in the back of my head where I was like, the only thing I can give them is my letter of authority, yeah. which is in my back pocket. And I don't want to be reaching for my back pocket when they're armed and I can't, no, I can't communicate. I'm getting this thing. I'm not reaching for a weapon. Yeah. So that was, that was a sketchy moment. Yeah. But uh, yeah. thankfully, you know, they, they, they saw... So what happened? Did they, did they so, take it for you or? No, 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 we, we, we didn't get to the letter thing. We kind of had this little, uh, I don't know, kind of like miming of like where I was going and what we were doing. And they, they recognized that I didn't speak their language and they, they were a little bit embarrassed they didn't speak English yeah. um, because it's supposed to be a multinational like corporation. Um, so we kind of like 
danced around each other a little bit and I was like, yeah, I'm going this way. And they're like, okay, well, maybe you should go this way. Yeah. So it, it, was, a, it was a tense moment that thankfully didn't go any further. Than yeah, that. yeah. So it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, but it can be a, a scary moment. Yeah. Um, so these days you've taken a new approach to physical security assessments yeah. with Sygenta. If you don't mind, explain that methodology yeah, to me sure. and, and why you feel it's more effective than traditional physical security assessments. Yeah, sure. So I've been doing this for you know three decades, right? And I've broken into thousands of buildings, right? Banks, government sites, military sites, office buildings, um, hospitals, all sorts of places. I have a 100% success rate over those 30 years, right? And that's not because I am the most amazing social engineer, physical assessment person, right? It's because all I have to do is find one way into that building, right? That's all I'm there to do is, can I get into this building and then maybe exfiltrate something? And that doesn't take a lot of effort, right? I just need to look at the building for long enough Eventually, someone will let me through a door or there'll be a window left open or some other way I'll get in. Mm -hmm. But what that gives to the client is a report that says, hey, I spent five days sitting in a ditch and I saw a, a door code and then I went and used a door code. Changed the door code, mm -hmm. right? That doesn't give them the bigger picture of the security of their site. You're only looking at one. Because you're only looking at one thing. You're only reporting one thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a client will be like, okay, well, spend the week breaking in as many ways as you can, right? That's good. And I've done that a couple of times. There's a couple of stories in the book where I break into the same building five different ways. Yeah. Or I break into multiple banks different ways. That doesn't give the value to the client that we want to provide at Sygenta. So I've changed that approach a bit to being uh, more of a what we'd call a white box assessment. Right? Okay. So we turn up with the client and we walk through their entire site and I point out every single physical security issue, right? Every window, every lock, every door that's put in wrong, everything, right? And they get like a 30 page report of 200 issues, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Rather than one report that says one issue that we got in through this door. Yeah. So it costs them a lot less it takes me the same amount of time I'm there for the day I'm doing no recon and they get much more value out of that yeah so that's the the approach we take now and I was, I was just chatting away with uh, Graham here um, about this and it was like maybe if I'd been caught over those years I would maybe think it's worthwhile mm -hmm. right to do these tests and there are cases where it is worthwhile right so if we have a client come to us and they say we've had a new security system put in here this particular door like the sixty thousand dollar door story in the book um then yeah we'll test that one thing because we're only testing one thing and that's all they want tested so we always have this educational piece with our clients when they come to us like is this really what you want or maybe we can get to your goals easier that isn't as stressful and doesn't cost you, you know, even a tenth of the price. Yeah. Yeah, because if you walk through the front door, no yeah. problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, you write that report. Yeah. But <laughs> your side door is unlocked yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah. And you could have also and, walked and through And we could have gone through ten other ways. Yeah, it, it's yeah. not worth a lot. Um, so let's talk about the surge of AI. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. 
<laughs> you know what I'm going to say about this now. So, yeah, I want to. I would like to know how much does AI play into the recon or information gathering aspect of what you do in terms of looking at the people that work at the organization, the actual organization itself. Is that something that you leverage as a tool? No. 100% no. It is not, it is not capable enough. Okay. Um, and this is the issue we see in this industry is like a new tool comes out and everyone's like, that's going to replace whatever it is job you're doing, right? And it just isn't capable enough yet, right? It, it's AI, you know, five years ago, even like what, how long ago did chat GP? come out like eight months ago something like that not even right so ten months ago AI was effectively a bunch of if then statements right Mm -hmm. that's that's about as good as it got yeah nowadays it's kind of become a a really fancy Markov chain right where it's like just just building out what the next sort of sentence will be and just pulling out data and then like copy and pasting it in Uh, it's not going to replace pen testing it's not going to replace many jobs um it's, it's an extra tool in our belt, but I don't see it really helping out on recon or okay. social engineering, stuff like that. It, it's good for um, stuff like if you're looking at satellite imagery and it can help you identify certain objects within that image, that it's really good at. But I can do that just as quickly. Like it's, it, because AI makes so many mistakes, I have to spend just as long checking those mistakes because if I get it wrong that's a, that's a bad day at the mm-hmm. office right alright let me ask you this then um, does the AI wave work to your favor do do organizations and their trust in AI do you consider that a vulnerability in itself oh yeah absolutely because it's like any tech right mm-hmm. it's like they see some fancy flashy thing like you know you walk around the black cat hall you see wonderful technologies that's going to fix everything and it doesn't it just introduces more vulnerabilities into it so yeah I, I see it as a it's not mature enough to be used in a production environment yet I don't think okay but as organizations be ten, begin to implement that that yeah. could be a potential attack yeah. vector for you yeah exactly I mean the, the, we've already seen attacks on this and I've given plenty of talks on uh, attacks on automated vehicles that, for example just using stickers. Mm. Right? Any, any system that is self-learning is ingesting data. And if you can inject stuff into that data, it's no different from like a SQL injection on a web app. So you know, th- there's always going to be ways in. FC, where can our listeners, the audience here, where can, where can we find you online, connect with you online? Right, so depending on what it's called this week, it's either Twitter or X. Um, it may not exist by the time this podcast goes out, even though it's live. Um, so Twitter Twitter's probably the easiest one, right? So it's uh, at underscore freaky clown underscore. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Mr. Freaky Clown, um, or you can find us on, what else have we got? Uh, we got Twitter for Sygenta, Sygenta HQ. Um, my wife, Jess, has a, a very fabulous LinkedIn profile that you can use to get to my LinkedIn profile because apparently searching for FC on LinkedIn will just bring up loads of random stuff and not my, my account. Okay. We'll get, we'll get links posted as well. Please do. Um, now, if I had to guess, mm-hmm. 
since you're 007. <laughs> I'm not 007, by the way. Um, that your drink of choice would be a vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. You now would, you would be wrong because I, I don't be wrong. I don't drink. I know. Okay. <laughs> so if your go, so if you don't drink, what is your go-to beverage on uh, night that you know you have to decompress after a, decompress. a night of work? I would, right. So if it's if it's before six p.m., is a it's a Coke Zero. If it's after that, it's probably a Canada Dry. Okay. So yeah. FC, are you familiar with that sound? That I am. That is an air raid siren. And because you have a 100% success rate, you've probably never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> and the authorities are not looking for you. But don't be nervous. That's just the sound of last call here okay. at Barco. Cool, cool, cool. So do you have time for one more? Okay. If you opened a cybersecurity themed bar, what would the name be and what would your signature drink be called? You asked me this before on the podcast. I know. Um, I, I don't know what I'd call it now. Um, oh, man. I can't remember what I even said. <laughs> I came up with something clever on the day and now okay. I cannot remember it at all. Uh, a cybersecurity. So, I don't know. Anyone else got any suggestions? What would you call Cybersecurity themed bar. Yeah. See, everyone's gone blank. <laughs> Barcode is a great one. Don't take my I, name. I, I think it's I think it's taken though. <laughs> APT. APT, ah, okay. APT. All right, APT. Yeah. And if you had a bar called APT, what would your drink be called? Oh, it would be Zero Cool. Zero Cool. Yeah, Zero Cool. Okay, I like it. I like it. Well, on that note, FC, I want to thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you, man. For, thank you. for, for joining me tonight. Yeah. Uh, at, to barcode, at Barcode, at um, Barcode, FC has uh, graciously signed books, um, 40 books here um, that we'll be giving out. And um, last note, I want to just let everybody know that we are filming a documentary at this point, me and uh, Matt and this Barcode podcast hopefully will make the documentary uh it's called inhuman and the website is inhumandocumentary.com you should all have stickers on your table so please check it out i encourage everybody to um check out the website and uh support us if you can and uh yeah fc thank you so yeah. much man thanks for having me awesome. and uh awesome. appreciate you man yeah, yeah. and uh it is 739 the the limo to Mandalay leaves in six minutes, so get your last call. And uh, thank you all for coming out. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much.